Skype has this new catchy jingle connection sound. It, it doesn't matter because it's still shit software. <laughs> Here's the weird <laughs> thing about Skype. Everybody talks about this new Skype, right? I still don't have the new Skype. And I do check for updates and it says I'm up to date. So I don't really understand when I'm going to get the new Skype, but I don't have the new Skype yet. Maybe they roll it out. You know, partial. Maybe. Roll out. People have been talking about this for like months, and I'm still on the old Skype. As are, far are there as I any know. are there any people still at 140 characters on Twitter? Uh, my I have a tweet bot on one of my machines that is not updated, so it doesn't let me do more than 140. But uh, no, I think everybody is now has the 280 mm. access if you're like on a updated apps and things oh, or okay. on the site. Bootstrap FM uh, episode 101, all about Lensman. <laughs> Go. <laughs> uh man, we got a lot going on. Got a lot going on. Um, where should I start? Um, uh, 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 what is that thing you built to take surveys? Thermostat. Thermostat. Oh, we could do. All right, we got. All right, so we got product updates. I could do. We got everything. L- people don't hear Lyricon anything about you. people. Don't, people hear about my nonsense in my life. People don't hear anything about you. Go. Oh, you're the interesting one. You're the successful <laughs> one. No, you're the yeah. you're the beautiful one, first of all. So that, that were a good combination since you're so sexy and uh, I'm so brainy. Okay, go, brainy. <sighs> all right. I guess I'll start with product updates. Or should I start with Laracon? Uh, let me start with Laracon. Okay. Get that one out of the way. Uh, uh, there's not really much to say. That's running. It might even be. It might even be over by the time this comes out. I'm not sure yet. This is uh, Laracon so, online. Laracon online. Okay. We're up to like uh, 3,600 people, something like that, attending. So just I have no idea how up. any of this works, by the way. It's pretty I amazing. I don't know how any of these parties you mentioned work what parties? in an online setting. I saw an online something, or is that with Laracon US? No, no, no. Well, no, Laracon online. We, last year, so we wanted to have like a, you know, a big part of the conference is networking and talking to people and stuff. So last year, we didn't just want it to be just videos of, right. you know, streaming video of the speakers. So last year we did, had a Slack room, but that was not so great uh, because mostly it was okay, actually kind of overall, but obviously when you have like thousands of people chatting in Slack, it, it just goes, turns into like IRC. Yeah, it's kind of IRC-ish and uh, Slack's not really designed for this either. So you can't like just batch upload everybody into it. And there was a bunch of other weird stuff where like people were buying tickets like during the conference and we were having to like manually add them. And it was just a lot. It was kind of chaotic. So uh, we got, we talked to uh, Coding Horror. I I called him up on the uh, Twitter. Actually, I called him up over email. And worked out a situation. So we're using Discourse uh, for the chat. So it'll be more like a forum and we'll have categories and then people can have like questions for the speakers in one spot and general discussion in another spot and conference stuff in another spot. And they can all be on there chatting, but it's not going to hopefully be, you know, so chaotic as the uh, Slack situation of just, anarchy so hopefully that will become kind of a useful resource too which would be sort of interesting to have it just up and be live so um so yeah uh, mostly with this conference it's all the details as with any conference the online conference has a lot less details overall which is 
nice, uh, although some of them are sort of scary, like the streaming service and everything. But last year, the streaming worked out really well. So hopefully that continues. And this year, we also made a whole bunch of other optimizations, like Eric, uh, who runs Laravel News and works at Userscape, run, uh, built uh, an app for the conference, basically, like a Laravel app, so that like all the ticket sales are now in there and just makes everything so much simpler to manage and administer. So that's really nice. It makes the, the whole process go much smoother. Um, so we still have sponsorships available if anybody out there wants to sponsor. And if it's not over by the time this comes out, which it might be, uh, then hit me up. Actually, this I think will be out just before it, I believe. So um, head us up for sponsorships. Still a couple left. It's like, I mean, where else are you going to reach 4,000 plus super smart, very attractive software developers? <laughs> uh, you're not going to. So for these low, 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 low rates. So check that out. Um, what else? We had, a, we had a sponsor last year who got 600 signups, which I can't really guarantee that again for anybody because that was sort of insane. But uh, but still, it's pretty wild. Mm-hmm. It's what's, what's interesting, but when a regular conference – the value of sponsoring a regular conference is highly, highly dubious. And I say that as somebody who has run regular conferences, but there's just not enough people there. Like you can't really get your money back on that. Like, I mean, it's more of a branding exercise and has long-term gains, but you're not going to see a lot of direct consequences from it. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas the online conference is totally different because we have the digital swag. So you just, you just give an offer code and then people use the offer code and sign up for your service right there. It's a link and they click it and that's it. So it's, it's actually much better from the uh, sponsor perspective, uh, the online conference, but, and much, many more people that you're reaching, of course. Uh, in most cases okay that's our con line what else uh, should we do side projects or help spot uh, your, your, your game oh man alright let's do let's do help spot because okay. I don't have a ton to talk about with that yet but um, we're redoing the UI which was I, I've tried multiple times to redo the UI and every time it's failed because it just wasn't right, you know? So this time, I think we've got it. Uh, the It's just something with an app as big as complicated, HubSpot, it can't really outsource it, because I've tried that before, but designers don't know what the app actually does, and so they're making things that are don't work mm-hmm. properly, and so that doesn't really work. It's fine for, like, simpler apps, but HubSpot's too complicated for that. So... Or maybe a designer could look it over at some point and like refine once it's like set. But the actual kind of bigger scale reworking sort of has to happen. I feel in-house. like it has to be have somebody who like used HelpSpot, like an in-house designer who sits with you for yeah. a while. And, yeah. I would love to have an in-house designer. Yeah. Like we talked about in the last episode, like that's where having a once a month sort of designer who worked for a week or something would be quite mm-hmm. useful. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but the good news is, guy, I think it's in a really interesting spot right now. It looks really good. Um, still a lot of work to do on it, so it's not going to be done in the next month or anything. But um, a lot of huge changes coming for HelpSpot 5, a bunch of underlying stuff that's being worked on, and then the new UI. So lots of lots of work, which will be good, and uh, it's going to pay off nicely, I, I think. But And I really want to get it done by summer, so I don't know. I think the timeline... It's t- 
tight. It's ambitious. But, you know, we get the summer, then it, I'm going on vacations. The employees are on vacations. People are covering people. And then before you know it, you, you really can't. Like nothing major happens until September again. So we'd like to have it in beta by summer. But we'll- It's interesting that like you basically transitioned HubSpot to like a subscription type of a thing, HubSpot Cloud. But like you still do these annual or semi-annual like major release cycle thing. Is that because you still have the on-premise things that you want to push against? Like if you didn't have on-premise, would you still do these annual major release things? Well, I think there's a couple things that are sort of interesting about that. That's very observant of you, Butov, and we've been thinking about that. Uh, first of all, only about a third of the customers are actually on subscription, so there's still a, a number who are not, you know, majority are not. But mm-hmm. um, I think there's two factors. I, I think we are actually going to attempt to get rid of this after HelpSoft 5. So HelpSoft 5 has a bunch of big changes, and then it should have us in a pretty good spot to move faster because a lot of it's going to be fully on Laravel and that's just gonna make a lot of things simpler so uh, so then we can go with a more sassy sort of uh, iterative process mm-hmm. um, we've already, we've gotten somewhat more iterative in recent years really but mostly for smaller stuff and most of the big features do tend to still be in big releases uh, and I do want to get away from the big releases for the most part Um so yeah, I think though there is a couple factors there that end up bringing you back to big releases sometimes, which is that being such a small team and having a lot of customers who we end up having to work with on things and take away from development time, that the cycle, like the length of the cycle for some a big change is still just pretty long. So if you have a big change that touches a lot of stuff, you just can't do it in a month. Like that's not enough time. Mm-hmm. So it ends up being a six month thing anyway. So, so to some degree there could still be some of that, but I think I do want to try to get away from like help spot five and help spot six and help spot seven and holding back things for those releases. And stuff. I think we'll try to get rid of the version numbers or de-emphasize them. And it's just help spot and we're always releasing and, you know, more and more people will be moving to cloud. Um, so that makes that all, make more sense it is still tricky because i mean even subscriptions uh the customers that are subscribers can be on premise and you know what good chunk of them are so for on-premise people you kind of need some mechanism to let them know that something's new right like the cloud people just shows up and it's Mm new but the on-premise people need to know that they're downloading the new one and that they need to download it and that when they're trying to upgrade that they've actually succeeded because now there's a different indicator of some type uh which is usually the version number so there's some things we got to work out with that but we do want to i think de-emphasize at least the versioning and try to make it more iterative overall and get away from the big releases because the big releases do are terrible i mean they are just burdensome uh because you are on that kind of death march at times of months and months of work without necessarily releasing what you're working on so yeah, so it's been on, been on, been on our mind. So you got HelpSpot, you got Laracon. Yeah, so HelpSpot though, so that's uh, yeah, I'm really excited about this next HelpSpot version though. So I think that's going to be really good. Right now, at this moment, we're in a 
um, like the developer, one developer is working on HubSpot, one's working on side projects. I'm working on a bunch of random stuff. So right at this moment, we're like pretty side project focused, but then, which is okay, because I wanted to get HubSpot, the new UI in like the, I wanted to make sure we were heading in the right direction with it. And now I feel really confident that we are. So I was like, okay, let me put that aside. Got to focus on Laracon Online, get these two side projects done and then we'll be through the kind of side project phase into more of like just then iterating on those which is much simpler and uh and then be most so most of the rest of the year is going to focus on uh help spot for the most part and probably uh then the side projects will be a chunk of that but uh, a lot of focus on help spot the rest of the year Okay, we're going to take a short break here to talk about our sponsor for the spring season of Bootstrapped. And I'm super happy uh, to announce that it's, again, Linode, um, who's been a huge supporter of the podcast. So thanks so much, Linode. Um, I have 14 servers on Linode. Andre has a bunch of servers there. Uh, anytime we need a server for a new project, a website, everything just gets its own server now on Linode. Um, and, and that's what we do. Plans start at just five bucks a month for a gig of RAM, which for almost everything we do is enough right there. And obviously go up to much larger sizes if you need it. Uh, they now have high memory plans starting at 16 gigs of RAM, 10 data centers all over the world, um, seven day money back guarantee, which is amazing. I don't, I don't know if I've ever seen that elsewhere. Um, you know, Boots up in under a minute. Uh, they have hourly billing on all their plans and services, 24-7, 365 support, phone supports available. Um, you know, obviously all the sort of modern VM uh, control and things you'd want to do, Docker containers, encrypted disks, VPNs, they have everything now. Uh, it's all native SSD storage, super fast 40 gig uh, network, all modern Intel processors. Just really can't be beat. Um, and now they even have block storage uh, currently in Fremont and I think in Newark. Um, and they're going to be expanding that out uh, to all their data centers by the end of uh, spring. So one-stop shopping, everything you need at Linode for tiny side project all the way up to your full production needs. Um, just just an amazing service. I've been with them personally for, I don't even know, six, seven years. Um, so really highly recommend it. Uh, they did want me to mention that they also just came out with a new control panel. It's all, you know, cutting edge, uh, Ajaxy, React, all that good stuff, um, modernized design and everything. So you should definitely check that out at cloud.lino.com if you're already a customer. And uh Linode's come up with a great discount for all our Bootstrapped FM listeners, $20 credit, um, which is four free months, a third of a year at the $5 tier. So to get that credit, it's super easy. Just go to linode.com slash bootstrapped FM, all one word. Again, that's linode.com slash bootstrapped FM, all one word. And that will take you right to uh, the page on Linode where you can sign up and get that $20 credit. Um, so you have nothing to lose. You get $20 credit. You get money back guarantee. Um, you know, throw a side project up on there. Move a, a production server over to there. Try it out. Um, like I said, I have a ton of servers on Linode. Highly recommend them. They're giving you $20 to try it out for a third of a year. Give it a shot and uh, let me know what you think. I'd love to hear your feedback on on our sponsors. Um, but we really love them here at Bootstrapped. And uh, thanks again to Linode. The thermostat is where? 
All right. So thermostat, MPS survey tool. Uh, we have you know a handful of people using it, but Fidelper is working on the last big part of that. We started out with that being like kind of like engineering is marketing for HelpSpot, where we'd have an ad in it that would like cross sell. But then I was like, yeah, whatever. If we're going to do this, we got to <laughs> go for money. So it's still freemium. So there's still going to be the free version, but Fidelper is putting the finishing touches on a paid, the paid aspect of it, which will be if you want us to manage sending the emails for you and dripping the emails and kind of just automating that uh, surveying, then that'll be the paid part. And if you are okay just self-managing and self-automating and everything, then we'll, we'll still just give you the links or embed the pop-up for you and all that. And then you could just use it free. Uh, and that's got, I mean, it's got a bunch of people on the waiting list. So um, we'll be releasing that here very, very soon. Like that's like really, really close to done. We're kind of just like cleaning up edge cases. He was working on like the billing code, that kind of thing. Um, but it's kind of cool as a side project because we can do, you know, there's some areas where we're just going to have it do less and we can, it's going to be way like the price is way under competing services. So that'll be kind of interesting to see how that shakes out. Um, and then that's going to be like, I'm sure we'll get a bunch of feature requests and everything, but I feel like that's going to be in a pretty good spot. Uh, once that parts out, there's a couple more things we want to do. Definitely want to hook it to help spots. So we'll be working on that pretty short term. Uh, as well so that you can send like use it as a customer service serving tool and we can sell it into the help spot customer base so we're definitely gonna do that uh, in the near term here but then beyond that I think we're gonna like kind of let it simmer see how it sells do some cross promotion with it and then just uh, then we'll kind of put it in a schedule to iterate on so that'll be nice to get out because that's been on and off for a while. We've been working on that. Not not a year yet, but uh, getting close. So that'll be nice. And the other big one's Lara Talent, which is what I've been working mostly on right. uh, myself the last couple of weeks, um, which I'm really excited about that. We've made a couple tweaks to the model recently that I think is going to be super nice. So um Laratown's interesting because it's not like complicated. It's just like having the time to build out the little bit of tech it needs to make these connections between employers and the developers. <clears throat> um, but I don't know, there's a, a, quite a number of people on the waiting list for that too. So <clears throat> I'm really excited about that one and just seeing how that works and connecting up these developers kind of like for people who may have not heard us talk about this previously, Basically, uh, developers can apply, and we're going to handpick um, uh, kind of developers to feature across a different range of abilities and skills and locations. And then uh, we're going to send those every week to a list of employers that we have uh, put together and who have opted into this and want to see basically PHP developers and uh, make the connections. So it's free for the developers. It's very inexpensive compared to recruiters or even job boards um, for the employers. And so uh, I'm really excited about that. Like, I just think it's going to be interesting. Like, that's like a true experiment of a whole different way to hire people, uh, which is sort of interesting versus um, some of the other things we've uh, like our the products we traditionally do are ones that I essentially know can be successful, uh, mm -hmm. like if we do a good job with it. So this is kind of interesting to have one that might 
could just be total trash. Um, like there's not really many people doing this. There's one or two other ones that have a model similar to this, but they take a very different approach and they charge very differently. Ours is going to be very affordable. Um, whereas the other ones are basically just like a, a different model for a regular recruiter. So they're charging like over $10,000 and up mm-hmm. uh, and we're just going to be way, you know, in the hundreds of dollars and maybe low thousands in certain circumstances. So we'll see. But uh, yeah, so that's been, that's been then three kids and all that stuff. So it's like, <laughs> I'm, work, I'm working at night, I'm working on the weekends because like during the day, there's been days where I've had to do other things. So it's like, it's a little bit, a little bit crazy, crazier than I'm used to, but it's all right. We're out, we're on the push right now. Ah. Uh. Gotcha. You're too old for this, though, man. I think so. I think you might be right. You might be right. Um, I, I like it, though. I don't know. It's good. To, it gives my brain something else to do for a while, but uh, it'll be nice when I'll be happy to be through the building phase of all these things. So thermostat and layer talent, that should be pretty soon. HubSpot still has a ways to go on the uh, building phase of this big release, but... By the end of the year, if we're done with the building phase, then you know 2018 can be, or 2019 uh, can be a little more running the business sort of vibe to it, and less of the building the business sort of vibe. Mm-hmm. So that'll be good. Cool, 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 cool. What else is going on? Um, Aside from everything that's taking up your time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the only thing, uh, I think you mentioned in the last week we invested in this startup. All right. It's a Brendan Dunn thing and someone else. Yeah. Brendan Dunn is shy. Uh, I don't know his last name. Um, they're doing this like website personalization app. I don't know, which is really cool. And I don't know. I, I think it has a lot of promise. So anyway, I kicked in a few bucks. How do you and get we'll to these situations where you wind up being invested in things? I saw somewhere, I don't know what's your, your, your blog website or somewhere. It was like, like you're in a bunch of things or something. You're yeah, I mean, we got around a few, a few bucks here and there. Um, mostly, I would say there's only a couple like real. So like all right, on the website, the investments I made are – Right message, which would be my biggest investment, which is the name of this new thing we invested in. Um, and that's like, I just know Brennan for a while now. And he showed me this a long time ago. And I was like, I would invest in that. And then he was, he didn't think he was going to do investment. And then he changed his mind. So he reached back out. And I don't know. I just think, I think A, it's like a really good idea. Um, and then B, it's sort of like optimizely, but for actually increasing your sales instead of just A-B testing. Mm-hmm. It's personalizing your website to the visitor. So like if you know if this visitor has read these three blog articles about a certain type aspect of your business, like why not show them different headlines than uh, somebody who's just generically off Google, for example. Or if you know this is an existing customer who's bought your base product, why wouldn't you change the website to show them uh, you know, your next level up product and feature that instead of showing them the base product again. So it all really makes a lot of sense. Um, so I think I think the listeners and me would like to know if you see something you like, like we see yeah. something we like everywhere all the time, like even friends who are doing stuff we like, like what are you, right. what, what are the mechanics of investing in something well, like that? Like my, think, invest, my investments are all like broker investments. Yeah. Like, Stocks. Bonds and stuff, yeah. 
Well, I think that's where you just got to be. That's like part of the advantage of like being, getting yourself out there and being in some circles, right? Because if you know people, that's why all this fundraising happens in Silicon Valley, right? Because everybody knows everybody. And so when somebody you worked with previously, you know, does the startup, you can, you know, they have connections to these other people and blah, blah, blah. Like having the connections, I think is like a huge part of it. Um, I would say be willing to like, ask like that's with this one i just asked then this could be to my detriment if it goes out of business but um okay then i mean that's fine okay, but yeah, yeah to reach like, out and ask and, and then the mechanism is just like a lawyer sends you a contract and you sign it and you send money back that's like i mean the mechanism is okay so explain this to me simple. like i'm three years old so sure. you give somebody twenty thousand dollars right and you own through this contract or whatever a certain percentage right. of the company right so if they don't sell if they just do it's if they make a hundred thousand dollars a year, con- what's that? Uh, it's not directly. I think nowadays, not even so much uh, that you own it directly, but yeah, you it can convert to like stock. Yes, under certain circumstances. Okay, so the 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 what I know of that is that if the company goes public or is sold, you get money back, right? But if they just make money, if they right. make a hundred thousand dollars a year for the next ten years, do you get money off that? Yep. And that's you can. In, that's in the contract. They could or could not. You could, okay. you could, but it depends. Like, I mean, I think that they're, yeah. Like if this is just straight profitable, then eventually there could be dividends that are paid out at a certain like, point. But it's like what, what Silicon Valley calls investing in a business is right. not what like I grew up with like really heavy set Russian men who say right. <laughs> I invested in these 14 businesses and clearly I have money. And I'm guessing they're not waiting for a sale or any right. of these things going public. So, like the the, the term investing it seems to apply to to very different things. Yeah, most of these investments, like you would make in this type of company and others, uh, like I don't want to talk specifically about this contract, but in general, um, is not what you're thinking about. <laughs> it's not. It's not like where uh, I put twenty thousand dollars into. Uh, Ivan's Deli, and then now every month I get 20% of the profits from Ivan's Deli, right? Like that's right. how that would work in like what you're describing. Um, <clears throat> or maybe I get more than 20% if I'm, uh, <laughs> if I'm, if I'm connected. So, uh, that's not how these usually work. No. But that, that, that's not, that's not, that's not like an outlier, right? That sort of investment right, is no. still investment, right? Yeah, it's still an investment, but it's a different type of thing. Because basically yeah. there's different goals, uh, potentially, right, of Ivan's Deli is never getting bought out. Okay. Really. And that, that's not appealing? Because, like, I, I mean, forgive me for the for the naive questions, but sure. I'm totally naive when it comes to this stuff. I mean, I'm pretty naive, too. Like, like, it would seem to me, or maybe it's just the bootstrapper's mindset, but, like, it would seem to me, you know, like, the the way JD does things where he buys this thing yeah. and it makes $2,000 a month for the next 100 yep. years and he likes that, he prefers that. Well, it's the same thing. Like, it would seem to me that I would prefer getting 20% off of Ivan's Deli for the next 15 years than hoping that something would sell and go public. Yeah. And I think that's not an – I think that that's where it gets into the exact details, right? Because there's, like, a certain – like, I think – Brennan, I think this wouldn't be too bad to say, you know, is fine running a profitable business, right? Like if it's profitable and that's, and it's, if it's profitable and everybody makes money and then 
the investors are getting paid, you know, uh, I don't recall the exact mechanisms of that, but, you know, on whatever regular basis, I think that's fine. Um, right now, and I don't mean to go into Brennan's details. I just, like, yeah, yeah, but I think there's, there's, there's honestly, most, yeah. most startups are not thinking that way at all, right? Like they don't even want to make any money necessarily. They want to, uh, th- in terms of profit, like the, any profit, anything they have that would be profit, Right. They're not going to leave as profit. They're going to hire another person or they're going to buy bigger servers or what, whatever. Um, no, you're so just, you're low enough in this and I know you well enough that I could ask you these questions that I have no other way of asking anybody, right? Because everybody <laughs> else is either so far up this thing that obviously I'm asking very naive questions or else I don't know them at all. So but you're in a unique position where you're, you, you will be, you'll, you'll tolerate my questions and you're still <laughs> low enough in the chain that you might be exposed to both kinds of investments. So then like if I have a conversation with somebody who's made something and I say, I want to invest in this thing, like, do I need to? Is it assumed that I don't want payouts off of profits, or like, is this like unusual to expect payouts off of profit? Like, like I think you would want to be particular about that, like right? You want to be, you wanna be specific, right? But is it like, right. is it so? Is it like, are people going to look at me like I have three heads if I consider payments off of profits to be like a, a normal course of investment? Or is it- I think that here's the difference. Here's the difference how you can think about. It, I think is that if you approach somebody, an individual, and said, "Hey," Like, let's go into this together, right? And I'm going to pay in 20% worth. Right? And then I'm just going to own 20% of the stock. Right. I'm a legit 20% owner of the stock directly. Um, then that's, you're more like a partner. Right. You know what I mean? Like, you're in the business. Um, whereas most of these startup investments are not designed that way, right? They're assuming the investor is just a person with some money. Who has wants nothing to do with the business necessarily, right? Like, ideally, they're helping out and making connections, and you know, maybe bringing some expertise here and there. But ultimately, a chunk of them might just be people with a lot of money who invest in a bunch of startups, right? So, there's more of an intermediary in there uh, where they are not uh, necessarily right now. Uh, direct owners and that and also their obligation is somewhat different um, in terms of their expectations of how involved they are with the business which is probably not at all or very little Um, whereas if you just approach another developer and say hey like I like what you're doing why don't I come in with you on that then you're going to you're going to actually be expected to kind of be a partner in that you know what I mean so Mm -hmm. I think that's of the difference there which I would, I mean, I like those arrangements too. Or you, you could even have the same arrangement, right? Just for money and not be involved. Like, hey, listen, I'm going to buy for $10,000. I'm going to buy 20% of this operation. Um, and that's it. And you're just getting the money. I mean, people do deals like that all the time. I mean, like JD, like you said, I mean, he usually buys the whole thing. But it's that same kind of idea where it's like you're directly acquiring part of the asset. Interesting. That's cool. That's kind of interesting. I, see, I, I like you go to weird and new places. You, you're, <laughs> on you're, airplanes. You're, you're, on airplanes. You're comfortable going outside your comfort zone. And I explore with you by sitting that's at right. home. <laughs> Through me. <laughs> well, that's where I, I used to be better about that. Um, now I'm kind of riding on the connections I previously made when I had more energy. I feel like since the third kid, it's a little bit trickier to uh, get my giddy up going but i'm this year like we just discussed there i have a number of travel plans so i'm getting back getting somewhat back out there but 
But yeah, I mean, some of the other, I mean, I'm not a super expert. Like this is the most investory investment I made. Um, like, you know, we still own part of Snappy, but that's a thing we built and sold. And then we, own, I own like the tiny world's tiniest little piece of buffer. Um, <laughs> when they did like, uh, just, I mean, I didn't know anybody really. I think I just like heard about them doing this thing on angel list. So I kicked in a few bucks. Um, so yeah, that, I don't. I don't have a ton of experience. This is this is still more of a thing I believe in as opposed to a proper angel investing. Like probably proper angel investing, I should really be like diversifying my risk here more. And you know, you want to invest in twenty or thirty things, and you're hoping that one or two of them turn into profitable businesses and or you know get sold, um, and the rest are presumably going to fail or meander off so this is more still uh that but i do think it kind of brings up an interesting point what you're talking about and i do think the bootstrapping circles that there is it would be interesting if there was more of this idea not so much in maybe the the regular startup type investing but even with what you're saying like why couldn't why couldn't you own five percent of some bootstrapper we know's startup and you're gonna kick in whatever five or ten grand to help them get over that hump, to have enough time to really work on it. Like, I think that there is are models that could work for bootstrappers who are still essentially bootstrapping, but there might be advantages to having like one or two particular partners slash investors either financially to help them get over a hump or maybe you're bringing some expertise or something like that where that makes sense to have them involved. I think when I mean, the lawyering costs some money, so that part does get a little bit trickier, but also the lawyering of just buying some stock is actually not too bad. So even that, um, probably, you know, again, like on a four or $5,000 transaction, the lawyering is going to be too much of it, but I don't know. There is something there that I don't think that people really give enough. Yeah. I, I don't think law, lawyering costs is what stops people. The finding, yeah. finding of the lawyer who you feel like you don't have to like explain things to like what a computer is. Type of <laughs> situation. Um, yeah. I mean, we, we, we work in a huge uh, echo chamber where everybody just winds up doing the same thing everybody else is doing. So exploring these new types of uh, angles and in, in, in the in business or between businesses is something like a pioneer like you would do. And then maybe 10 years down the line, it'll catch on and become part of the echo chamber. Well, maybe the, the next business we'll try. Next business. <laughs> um, right. uh, I got to head out. Cause I got to pick up a little, the oldest, the oldest, the oldest, the good. Older. The Not elder, the, <laughs> the house elder. All right. Well, this one was all landsman. Holy cow. <laughs> all landsman all the time. There we go. All right. Yeah, we, uh, we got to see. If, uh, I don't know if we can keep this up. This uh, one, all you, one, all me. We're gonna have to mix <laughs> no. together. I don't black have and white cookie me. next time. Um, you got anything else? Yeah, I'm good. All right, man. I'll thanks, talk to thanks you. Thanks to Linode. Thanks to Linode. Shoppers. We'll see you later. Talk to you guys later. Bye. Talk to you later. <laughs>